0: I'm going to hand over to Smee now, who is speaking for us this morning. Thank you, Tom. Good morning. Uh, really good to see everybody. Uh, let me just do that, so I don't have to look at myself. That's a lot better. Uh, splendid. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Brilliant. Uh, really good to see you. And uh, thanks, to uh, uh, Tiffany and Catriona, for those brilliant kind of uh, hearing about what you're doing, Tiffany, and the poetry to kind of really inspire us. So. Uh, thanks for that as we kind of move on in our thinking. We're starting this week, the to well we're continuing in the series that Tom introduced to us a couple of weeks ago, picking up the Church of England's Living in Love and Faith report around uh, sexuality, gender and identity. Something that all churches are being encouraged to reflect on, to think about and we're going to be doing that over the next few weeks. And the people who wrote that report came up with six what they called kind of evils or things that prevented good conversation. And they included things like fear and prejudice. Um, And when Tom was allocating these, what you might not know is Tom was brilliant at allocating sermon uh, themes because he always thinks, I know exactly the kind of the knowledge level and the area of the person who's preaching and, and what they're really going to be good at. And so I'm delighted that this week Tom has given me ignorance. He clearly knows me well. I feel hugely qualified to talk about ignorance. If you'd asked me when I was 18, I'd have said I have nothing to say because I knew everything. Now, in my mid-50s, I know almost nothing about anything. So I feel very ready to talk about ignorance Um, because one of the things they identify is that ignorance can lead to all sorts of problems. And so I have the great pleasure to preach on ignorance. And as I say, feel very, very qualified. To do that. So as we delve into this topic, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that we just heard from. We thank you for the way that these ancient texts speak into us so relevantly and powerfully today. And we ask that you to open our hearts and minds to hear what you would have uh, say to us today. Amen. When I was thinking about ignorance and they, in this guide that the Church of England has produced, called, described it as one of the evils I thought, well, can it really be evil to be ignorant? If you don't know about something, surely that's, that's not your fault, is it? Is that really evil? But then sometimes we do talk about, well, they're just being really ignorant when someone's being quite prejudiced. And it occurred to me there's different types of ignorance that we perhaps need to understand. And I thought, how can we do that? And I remembered that there was someone who had exp- tried to explain this a few years ago, uh, this chap here. So I don't know if you uh, if you know who this is, but this is, uh, let me just do that. So you can, can you see that? Uh, let me just do that. Now this is Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld was uh, Defence Secretary uh, under George Bush. Uh, so that's who he was. I think the picture's kind of gone a bit weird, but we'll worry about that. But this is what he said in 2002. Donald Rumsfeld then said, this statement. There are known knowns, there are things that we know that we know. There are are known unknowns, that is to say, there are things that we now know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things that we do not know we do not know. Now when he said that, he did get quite ridiculed for it. Um, I remember it quite clearly. But I listened to that and thought, well, I think that makes sense. I can see what you're getting at. And I think that's really helpful for us in our thinking today. Let me perhaps give you an analogy. So he's got this kind of pattern going, he did it the other way around. We can go from this way called unknown unknowns, things we know nothing about, to known unknowns, things that we now know we don't know anything about, to known knowns, stuff that we know about. And one analogy I'll give you that might help us is around the issue of modern day slavery here in the, here in Britain. If you'd asked me 10 or 12 years ago or more, I would not have even known that was a thing. It was an unknown unknown. I'd heard about slavery at school and I thought we'd abolished it, and I perhaps heard about it in other parts of the world. I had no idea it was a thing in Britain. So therefore, I wasn't asking about it. I wasn't doing anything about it. I didn't even know that it was there. It was an unknown unknown. But then I started to hear news items about slavery in Britain, modern day slavery. But I didn't know much about it, but suddenly I knew it was a thing, but didn't know much about it. It became a known unknown. I knew it was there, but I didn't know much about it. And so I started finding out a bit, listening to news items, reading things, um, and started to learn more about it. And one of the things I learned was that one of the places you could see this, or potentially it was happening, was in the car washes that started springing up often kind of run by East European men and some advice came out that said if you see one of these where they only charge you two pounds to clean your car and it's open from six in the morning till midnight and there's nowhere for the men to sit down that's quite probably because it's modern day slavery so now I knew and at each point Those second points, there was an option for me to make a decision. When I knew there was a thing called modern day slavery in Britain, I could have shrugged my shoulders and gone, oh dear, and walked away and thought, I'm not going to have anything to do with it, not interested. Or I could decide to find out more. When I knew that one place it was happening was in those car washes, I could then make a decision. Am I going to use them? Am I not going to use them? Is there a way to report it? How do I tell other people about it so others use the right ones and not the wrong ones? I could do something. Because I'd gone from an unknown unknown, didn't even know it existed, to a known unknown, I knew it was there, but didn't know anything about it, to a known known, I now know something about it, and therefore can choose to do something about it. So I hope that starts to make a bit of sense. These different types of ignorance, you've got these unknown unknowns, things that we know nothing about, and kind of we're all going to have that, we can't know everything. There'll be things that we just go, didn't even know it was a thing. And there'll be other things where we start to go, well, I know about it, but I don't know very much about it. And then we can start to make decisions. And I think what's happened for, perhaps for some of us is around the issues of sexuality and gender, some of us have gone from, had never really thought about it. There's a bit of an unknown unknown, but now we know it's a thing. We hear about it in the news. We're now gonna hear about it in church. Are we just gonna go, Well, oh, I'm not interested? Or are we going to say, actually, I need to find out more. And then what are we going to do about it? So we can move from, I'm ignorant because I didn't even know it was there, to I feel a bit ignorant because I don't know much about it. And that's the space where we can then do something. And I think that's the space where these two Bible passages, well, they, I think they really give us some idea of how this pattern can work. And so I just want to look at them and see the consequence of, of being in these places of ignorance or knowledge. So we read, we just heard read in Acts chapter 11, this bit about Peter being called uh, to go and see these people, um, these Gentiles, who wanted to hear about God. And one of the reasons that it was a bit of a shock was at the start of this, really, the idea of God speaking to Gentiles, the idea of God blessing them, was for Peter a bit of an unknown unknown. He'd never, it never occurred to him to think that might be a thing. He wasn't sitting there thinking, I wonder how God's going to do that, because he didn't realise it was a thing. He was still focused on the Jewish community coming to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. And I think God knew it was going to be a shock to him. So it started to prepare him with this vision of food and basically saying, look, everything is clean. Everything comes under my blessing. Get ready for everything to be considered clean and then these people turn up and uh and these people men the three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was saying and the spirit told me to to have no hesitation about going with them these men turned up and we read in chapter 10 you get in chapter 11 it's peter explaining to people what happened if you read chapter 10 you get luke writing about what actually happened and the two don't quite match up when Peter's telling his own version of the story he puts a bit we might say a bit of spin I think he puts a bit of spin on it so the men do turn up and we read there in um chapter 10 uh verse 22 the men say we've come from Cornelius he's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people a holy angel told him to to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say and Peter tells people, he says, I had no hesitation going with him. Suddenly he knows that God could be speaking to Gentiles. Suddenly he knows, and now he's got a decision. It's a known unknown. He's moved from didn't know it was a thing to I know it's a thing, but I don't really know how this is going to work. What, what's going to happen if lots of Gentiles become followers of Jesus? How's it going to work? I've got questions. But of course, we know it's going to be okay because we know what Peter's like, don't we? Peter's the disciple who always leaps into action straight away. He is act first, think later. So when he sees Jesus walking across the water, what does he do? He leaps out the boat and as a goat walking on the water. When he sees Jesus on the shore, he leaps out the boat and swims to shore. When a soldier attacks Jesus, Peter gets the sword and attacks him. When Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, Peter dives in and says, no, they're going to kill you, don't go. He jumps in immediately. So when these people come, Peter says, I had no hesitation in going with them because that's why I am, mad of action. But if we read chapter 10, we find it's not quite like that. Here's known unknown. Are these people who I even still, I think, probably think are a bit unclean. Are they going to be blessed by God? What am I going to do about it? So they turn up, it says in chapter, verse 22 of chapter 10. Come with us. Cornelius wants to be blessed. We want to hear about it. Peter goes come and have a meal and he then says they invited them in they had a meal and they went the next day he didn't rush very unlike Peter and when he got there these people wanted to hear about Jesus these people who didn't know very much but were God-fearing and wanted to know more wanted to hear so does Peter launch into one of his great sermons like he did at Pentecost and explain everything? Or does he say that we read there in verse 34, kind of on from there, you can, you can read it. He keeps saying to them, you know the message God sent. You know what has happened. You know everything. And he kind of think, this is very odd, Peter, because they didn't. That was the point. Why are you being so kind of obscure? you delayed in going. And now you're giving them a sermon that's a bit of, oh, well, you know what the answers anyway. When they were desperate to hear. And I think what we're seeing here is Peter's known unknowns bringing out his prejudice. I know it's a thing, but I'm not sure I want to get involved. I'm not sure I want to rush in there. If I explain it too clearly what's going to happen, I think we're seeing his prejudice. He knows it's an issue, doesn't really want to get there. He acts very out of character. And then while Peter's giving this rather Well, it is a sermon, but I don't think it's as clear as the most enthusiastic. At the end of chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. Almost if God went, okay, Peter, I'll I'll just do it now. Whack. Holy Spirit, let's bless these people. You're going to learn that I'm going to bless everybody. Suddenly, Peter now moves into I know what's going on. I can now see with my eyes that God is going to bless the Gentiles. There's no one unclean. I now know. he's move from didn't know it was a thing, unknown, unknown, to I know it's a thing, but I'm really uncertain about it. Known unknowns to I now know that God blesses the Gentiles. And then what's really interesting, what does he do? And that's what we read in chapter 11. Peter went back to Jerusalem and told the people what had gone on. And what happens at the start of chapter 11, these people who now move into we now know and don't know what's going on. What do they do? They criticised him. Peter took the side of the Gentiles and got criticised. Now that he knew they could be blessed, he didn't just leave it there. He became an advocate. We might call it an ally. He said, I must speak up on behalf of them. And he went and faced the criticism and said, no god can bless and in the end he won the people round. but knowing stuff means we've got a choice like i was saying about with the car washes when we know stuff as christians as humans we have a choice are we going to speak positively do kind of good things or are we going to just walk away and peter did that and it led to conflict but he now knew what god could do Ignorance could have left him not allowing those Gentiles to really hear the word of God. He could have said, no, I'm not going to go. It was a struggle for him, I think, which is why he delayed. If he'd stayed unknown or his known unknowns, if he'd stayed there, he would have denied them that chance to hear. They would have remained excluded. But Peter fortunately did go and they heard and God blessed and it changed Peter and changed. Kind of the whole church. Ignorance can lead to people being excluded. It can lead to people not receiving that blessing from God. But it can even do more than that. That passage we heard uh, from the Old Testament, from a couple of thousand years even before uh, when Peter was around, where the people of Israel have followed God's command through the desert and have got to the Promised Land, but they get there and they have no idea what the promised land's like. It's an unknown unknown. We don't know what to ask about it. And so Moses wisely says, we need to move from we know nothing about it to let's learn about it. So it becomes a known unknown. We now know the questions to ask about it. So he sends people in and back in um just the bit just before the reading we had, his command is, he says, see what the land is like whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? And so on and so on. He wanted to move from ignorance, the unknown unknown, I know nothing, to a known unknown. We now know stuff that we can ask questions about. We're going to learn what's going on. So he he sends the the, the men in, they spend 40 days there and they come back. Some of them bring in all sorts of lovely food and going, woohoo, this is going to be fabulous. And others going, well, you see, the trouble is the people there, they were big, they were scary or really not sure. There was a choice now. Now they've got this bit of knowledge, this known unknowns. We know some stuff, but we don't know everything. Should we go back and find out more? Should we follow God's leading into this place, even though we don't know everything? What are we going to do? And Caleb said, we can do this. God will be with us. There's loads of food there. Let's follow God into the land. But the others stirred up rumour, and we might call it fake news, lies about the people. They said we saw them there. The the Nephilim. These are like giants. You can read about them because kind of slightly obscure passages in Genesis were about kind of giants in the land. And we looked like grasshoppers. They were so tall and big and massive. Clearly nonsense. Clearly lies to stoke up fear and and hatred amongst the rest of the people about the people in the promised land that's what living with that ignorance did it allowed them to stoke up prejudice and fear and hatred amongst a whole group of people who said we're not going to go in there because those people all stay away from them who knows what they could do stay away in the end the people said you know we'd rather die than go near them We'd rather wander around the desert. We'd rather be back in Egypt than go in and be near those people, because what you've told us is so frightening. And the people of Israel then wandered around the desert for years and years and years and years because they hadn't gone in. And not only did it stoke up fear and prejudice, but they were denied the blessings they would have had if they'd gone in. All that beautiful food and milk and honey that was ready for them, they turned away. And so this ignorance, when we move from we had no idea about it to now we know something about it, we have at that moment a choice. Peter had that choice and he did go, I think reluctantly, and find out and learn. They went in and at that point they said, we're not going to learn anymore. We're going to walk away because we think they're horrible people. And if Peter hadn't done the first thing, he would have denied those Gentiles. The blessings of god and their ability to come into the kingdom and the israelites not only did they stoke up the hatred but they missed out on god's blessings it was bad for them and that's what this ignorance does and that's why i think the church of england in their report wisely calls that type of ignorance evil because it damages others it means they're excluded they're pushed out they are perhaps denied the chance to really get come into God's kingdom and receive his blessings and it damages us and those around us because we miss out on the blessings God wants to give us by being amongst these different people and that's why I think they call it evil because of that what that does to others and too often members of the LGBT community people who express themselves differently have been excluded by the church. And have been said. people have been told, well, oh, don't go near them or, or stay away. And it's stoked up prejudice sometimes, perhaps quite often. And that's damaged others who don't feel welcome in the church. And I think has damaged the church by not having the blessings of those people with us and sharing their insights into God and their wisdom and their experiences. And that's why I think the Church of England wants to challenge that kind of ignorance, not the ignorance that says didn't even know it was there. That's the starting point. We move on from there. But the ignorance that says, I know, but I'm not going to do anything about that. I'm going to walk away or I'm going to live with that prejudice. Because the challenge is once we get to the place where we now know the known knowns, as Donald Rumsfeld called it, we then have the choice of what to do. Peter then went and became an advocate and said, I'll stand here and argue their cause, even though he got criticized. The challenge for us, and this is what this whole process is going to be about, is where do we move to? What does it mean for us to now know this stuff as a church, as a community? And that's the journey that we're we're going on over the next few weeks. And we'll move and we'll hear out all sorts of other issues. But this, this thing of ignorance actually is what I think leads to so many of the other um, issues that the Church of England says block good conversation. So that's what I think we want to be kind of reflecting on. What are we going to do with our unknown unknowns that we can start to discover about but when we get to this place of known unknowns we know stuff but we've still got lots of questions are we prepared to keep on chipping away having the conversations praying studying together and when we start to know stuff are we then prepared to take the next steps and do things about it amen